we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven, the last of season three here on the Podbean. And the, uh, you know, we've got done it for a lot longer than that. We'll get into that next week. Uh, I'm your host, Daniel Shopto, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, there's this game's over with something about football. I didn't watch any of it. Tara apparently did. Um, and so we're going to have a conversation um, <clears throat> about some of the things that, you know, MLB could be doing. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, well, actually, let's just dive into that, Tara. And I, again, <laughs> I didn't watch any of anything um, because the good thing is nowadays you can see all the good commercials, usually before the game, but definitely mm-hmm. on YouTube afterwards. So you don't have to worry about all that uh, football thing. But apparently there was one... Um, about the NFL or football in general or promoting that. Um, and that kind of got you stirred up. So why don't you tell me what was there and what, what you wanted to, let's just to start from there. What was that? Uh, well, okay. So full disclosure, it wasn't necessarily one specific commercial. Mm. Um, I know there was an XFL commercial, at least one, there might've been multiple XFL commercials, And then the NFL does a great job of promoting itself during its own games. But really, it was me just watching other sports, other athletes, other businesses utilize the platform of the Super Bowl to promote themselves. I mean, like, that's why Super Bowl ads cost so much, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's one of the most watched, if not the most watched television events in a single season. And, you know, just watching what the NFL does to promote this game, to promote these players, to give you background story. I mean, they were doing pregame stuff like four and a half hours before the game started. And most of that is content that tells you who these players are and what their stories are and why you should pay attention and what's going to be exciting to watch. And I mean, come on, they had A-Rod basically on the J-Lo beat giving updates of where she was and how she was prepping for the halftime show and what you could expect that he couldn't really talk about because it was a secret. I mean, it's a little over the top, but it's the NFL taking advantage of a massive platform and promoting itself. So yeah, what we've discovered on this show is that the people love a good rant. (laughs) This is the entire reason uh, we're doing a show tonight. Right. I may have come up with one uh, whilst sort of watching uh, the the big game, as we can only refer to it uh, officially. (laughs) And I say sort of watching because I was only watching during the second half and I was on my phone most of the time. So you can guess how much I was actually watching. Because I got sidetracked thinking about how bad Major League Baseball is at promoting itself and how, I mean, how often they miss opportunities to market their product, which is their players and the extraordinary athletic feats of these these players during the season. I mean, the calendar turns to February and we're all saying, cool, there's baseball this month. Where is Major League Baseball promoting that? So here we go. You can, I'm already diving off the cliff. It <laughs> doesn't take long to get, me, uh, to get me warmed up and going here. But the point is, I really think, and I've said this before, that Major League Baseball has a problem with how it markets its product. And 
you know, there's this sense that we've all heard the conversation about Mike Trout, right? Well, he should market himself. And the reality is a lot more players are doing a lot of that now. Jack mm-hmm. Flaherty has kind of taken that on his shoulders. And I mean, as the the storyteller professionally that I am, I think there's a ton more that he could do with that. And Jack, if, you, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I will help you. We'll, we'll do this together. But Major League Baseball as a whole, even give me like, Give me a 15 second commercial that's just bang, bang, bang highlight clips from the 2019 season with your your superstar players with like coming soon at the end with the MLB Mm. logo. That's it. Give me a 15 second hype video. And all of a sudden, people who are watching the Super Bowl are going to think, oh, that's right. I should find out when baseball starts if they're not diehard baseball fans. It's not rocket science, and I, I don't know. I don't think I'm crazy for seeing opportunity after opportunity that Major League Baseball is not taking advantage of for a company that seems to want to market itself as far as like the way that they talk about themselves uh, as big business, but then they don't really do much to draw in new customers like a big business would. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when we were kind of talking about, <laughs> excuse me, um, doing the show tonight and, and this topic, you're, you're right. I was exactly thinking that if why, if the baseball doesn't get a slot, maybe the last commercial break yeah. of the game and say, you know, you know, we're next or, you know, it, it's time or something like that. You know, I mean, you're right. It would have been a great opportunity to do that i mean they Um, have they have some slogan every year right whether it's let the kids play or we play loud or whatever it is i mean why not introduce that in february instead of in september when you're promoting the playoffs introduce Mm -hmm. it early and then you can repeat it and you can reuse the same concept with whatever player is killing it that week, whether it's Bryce Harper or Mike Trout or Juan Soto or hopefully Paul Goldschmidt or whomever (laughs) else it might be, reuse that same concept and highlight the superstars of the sport on television and in your, you know, social media ads and in your web content and on the radio. Like it's, it's, it's to me pretty one-on-one level marketing (laughs) to actually have a campaign that lasts longer than the last six weeks of the season. And when all eyes are on the Super Bowl, if there's, if we're going to continue to hear this constant comparison between the NFL and MLB, why not use that? (laughs) Why not take advantage of the moment where all eyes are on the sport that you seem to think is your direct competition, even though I would argue it's not totally different rant. We'll do that some other time. Um, why not take those eyes and reintroduce them to whatever it is you're trying to sell for 2020? Now, the only problem is, of course, that, you know, Major League Baseball doesn't like to necessarily spend its money. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they can pay, so they can pay a hundred minor leaguers for that 30 second commercials. Same thing, amount. So, you know, well then, I mean, if those are the two options, pay the minor leaguers, but <laughs> if it's not spend that money, yeah or spend it on one of those two things, I think we know it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's, that is the problem. I mean, baseball has been, (sighs) baseball has always gotten by with the fact that it's quote America's pastime, even though you can make the argument that that may have passed by, by now. Um, The past part is a little bit um, more emphasized, but it has had that 
you know, it's had that, I don't know, connection to America that almost the idea of you don't have to market this because people are going to come to baseball, but you know, it's not that way anymore. And the people that are in charge of baseball haven't necessarily adjusted to that. They're not, you know, like you said, they're not promoting their players. Now there's also the argument. And I think it's perhaps fair that baseball is a regional game now. Um, and I don't know how much advertising you can do to change that because, you know, we're Cardinal fans and for 162 games, we're sitting down to watch the Cardinals, but 15 other teams are playing about the same time. It's difficult to watch. It's difficult to watch Mike Trout. If you're a Cardinal fan, you know what I'm saying? Um, so although on the flip side, maybe that makes marketing a little bit even more important. So even (laughs) other baseball fans can know who these people are and, Oh yes, there's a, I'm not, you know, Cardinals don't play tonight. Let me, you know, use MLB TV and watch the angels play the Yankees or whatever it is, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Two, two thoughts on that one um, for the overall health of the game of baseball, it's got to be better for even Cardinals fans to know who the superstar is for the Oakland A's or mm-hmm. for, you know, whomever. And every team has a star, even if it's not the top five players in baseball, right? So it's got to be good for the overall health of the game for a kid who's sitting down to watch a football game to say, oh, I like the way that that guy, you know, bat flipped or whatever, you know, whatever it is, right? To right. see that there's a player, maybe it's regionally, maybe it's not, that they can relate to in some way. Why would you not want to sell that if you're Major League Baseball? But additionally, second thought, yeah, it's a regional sport, but there are national broadcasts, what, Mm -hmm. three nights a week at least? So Fox is a network that has a national broadcast at least once a week. Why not if you're Fox? promote yourself promote your upcoming baseball season with your own highlights and your own baseball coming soon only on fox or whatever it is you know there are ways to market the national side of the game as a a network that maybe would be different than major league baseball as a whole trying to market the game although i think that line would be pretty pretty well blurred most of the time um but i think i would lean towards kind of your second point there that that maybe that makes it even more important to market it just if you're as concerned about the overall health of the game as you say you are if you're major league baseball uh, you're sure missing a lot of opportunities to tell people to watch it tell people why they should go to games and it sort of circles back to what we've talked about a number of times with how baseball is discussed on air and whether or not it's talked about like a thing that people should be excited about, or if it's talked about as a thing that's dying and Mm -hmm. if people are going to believe what you tell them. (laughs) So if you tell them baseball is coming, you should be excited about it. They're going to probably be more excited about it than if you didn't tell them anything at all. And I just, you know, it's a weird weird time for baseball it's a weird time for baseball fans watching what major league baseball is doing and look i could dive down the the rabbit hole of minor league baseball as far as this is concerned too and honestly i wonder what the marketing advertising budget or opportunities are for minor league baseball because they could maybe do themselves a a service in marketing the upcoming stars as well there are so many opportunities to introduce baseball players and personalities and stories to sports fans 
that just aren't happening. And and I just, it's a weird time in this sports from a business perspective because there's so much angst. There's so much tension about that part of it. Mm-hmm. And then they're also shooting themselves in the foot by not telling people the good things about baseball. I just don't understand why it's like rocket science to get baseball to do what the NFL has done and make Look, the NFL is super dangerous. Like people are dying from brain injuries and people still think the NFL is way cooler than most other sports. You got to think in a large part that's because of how the NFL promotes themselves because they show the kid delivering the game ball because they do a 15 second ad about JJ Watt and all the charity work that he does or they, you know, whatever it is, they sell the stories of their players and make that the focus. And then they have these cool, quick, tightly edited, in-your-face hype videos that make you think, oh, this is something I should pay attention to. That's what gets the attention of sports fans. And then your sport can sell itself because it's cool and the product is actually good and the athletes are really incredible at what they do. Baseball needs to wake up and (laughs) pay attention. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, baseball has some disadvantages to just in the nature of the game. I mean, football is once a week and for 16 weeks and you have the big game at the end of the year or whatever, and whereas baseball is every day, but that doesn't stop them from being able to promote it. You're right. I mean, I think that, you know, they could do more than that, more than they do. And, you know, that's in society today, there are very few opportunities to get national attention. I mean, like everybody's watching Mm -hmm. something. You know, I mean, obviously not everybody because, again, I didn't watch it, but um, majority of people that are watching something and then they're talking about it on Twitter or whatever they're doing, you know, a lot of eyes, like you said, are, are on that game tonight. And there's not, I mean, unless you go cut a trailer and put it in front of the next Marvel movie, um, which is also a good idea, personally, but, you know, um, they Marvel and and baseball have worked together yep. before. They could do yep. something like that. But anyway, I mean, unless you have something like that, there's not going to be a <clears throat> national focus. I mean, even the college basketball isn't quite the same. Yeah. Um, uh, and by time, of course, baseball basketball gets to its final game, you're having opening day. So you're hoping people are already watching. Um, but maybe you could, another opportunity <laughs> there. But, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. But, you know, if you look at the history of baseball – the one thing they know how to do is shoot themselves in the foot. So I guess that's probably not a big surprise. No, it's not. It's just, I think, you know, from my position professionally as someone who looks at things in the sports world and thinks, okay, that's a story that people should know about. It's frustrating because I don't have the access to tell those stories the way that Major League Baseball does. And none of it's super difficult. Most of it involves footage they already have it involves you know a couple hours of editing and there you go you've got a promo for the 2020 season um i certainly think that there could be a lot more done to showcase the individual athletes and and their personalities and the way that they go about um you know like being good citizens and and good people outside of baseball i think that would help make them relatable and give people a reason to root for them as well but just on the the simplest of levels, I think it became very clear while watching what all these other companies are doing, right? And baseball has sponsors. Do something mm-hmm. with one of your sponsors. It doesn't have to be MLB jumping up and down going, hey, hey, look at us. It can be 
something that is in cooperation with one of your sponsors that you already have. It's, again, seems pretty base level marketing to me, but I'm also not the marketing expert. So this this is why it's a soapbox and not, you know, like an actual email to someone who has <laughs> um, any control over these things because they wouldn't listen to me anyway. But it just became very clear that there's a, a perception difference in baseball and football that in large part comes down to how those two entities market themselves. And while baseball might say Mike Trout needs to market himself and Max Scherzer needs to market himself and, you know, pick a player they need to market themselves. Well, baseball could do a better job of marketing itself, at least in direct comparison to the way the NFL does it. And that's when I'm watching football <laughs> at this stage of my life, I'm thinking about how it directly compares to baseball. And that was the thing that stood out tonight. So that's why you got this rant. <laughs> You're well, welcome. I <laughs> and I don't think... I don't think there's any other sport that suggests that their players should market themselves. Now, right. You know, the NBA, I think a lot of those players do. Yeah. They have all of their side products. And the and, NBA is booming because right. players have turned themselves into relatable, not relatable in that everyone's just like them, but relatable in that, Hey, I know that guy kind of relatable. Mm -hmm. And it does wonders for why people would tune in to watch games. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's on the side of the NBA also promotes their players. I mean, again, yeah. they, they do that. The NFL does, you know, at least in some regards, maybe, maybe more focused on quarterbacks and things like that. But I think they do a pretty decent job of putting their guys out there. So the idea that baseball players have to do all this work on their own, well, one is probably pretty typical of, of baseball in general, making <laughs> since we get back into that minor league conversation of them uh -huh. having to buy their own stuff. But, you know, is is a little silly. I think that, you know, a player can only do so much, you know, and, you know, if Mike Trout's putting stuff out there and he's promoting himself, which again is very unlike Mike Trout, but if he was, then there's people, I mean, yeah, there's people that are going to appreciate that and people that are going to get excited about it, but there's people like, oh man, he's just hyping himself up. You know, you know, I'm not going to, but when the, when the league is doing it, when it takes it out of the players, it takes away from the, you know, uh, pride and, and arrogance <laughs> idea of it. You know, when somebody else is promoting you, I think that that helps get a little bit more, you know, it takes away from that, you know, it takes away that part of it and you can just appreciate Hey, look at what this guy can do or what this guy has been doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see a little bit of the potential when it's a rivalry series, right? Mm -hmm. The national game is Yankees, Red Sox or Cubs, Cardinals, or, you know, pick a rivalry. And all of a sudden you see promos that actually give you something. They give you a story to latch onto. And that's what the NFL does, right? They, they market those games as, this quarterback versus this quarterback or, you know, this superstar versus this superstar. Here's why you should watch it. And we don't I just don't know that there's enough of that that gives people some reason to watch if you're not, as you said, already a, a regional fan. Yeah. And that's what Major League Baseball has access to doing that doesn't require the help of Mike Trout. You know, when the Angels came to St. Louis, they didn't need Albert Pujols to film a bunch of stuff for them to promote Albert Pujols and the Angels coming to St. Louis. The story writes itself if you give it the tiniest bit of effort. And 
yeah, some of those matchups are probably a little harder to to find the um, the right storyline, but they're always there. That's what you know. There are professionals who get paid to do that stuff for much uh, more complicated storylines. It, it doesn't. I don't think it would be that much of an additional effort to um, you know utilize the the highlights of your product to sell more of your product. Yeah. I agree. I think, I mean, there's always, you know, downsides and things. And like I said, baseball's a different animal than I think any other sport, but that doesn't mean they can't, you know, at least give some efforts in that regard and, and hopefully, you know, get that attention of the younger fan that they continue to, to crave, you know, and I guess, you know, I give, maybe give them a little bit of credit to, for going with, you know, like YouTube TV and things of that nature and doing stuff on, on there to maybe try to attack younger fans, but it's still just because it's on a platform that younger people might use doesn't mean that they're going to tune into that if they're not interested in the game. So you've got to build that interest up. Um, otherwise you're putting it on a, a platform that your younger fans aren't going to watch and your older fans are griping about because <laughs> they can't find it. So, or it's not you on know. In the interest of, you know, promoting your own products, let me just say, if there are any any players out there, <laughs> Major League Baseball, if you're listening, uh, I, I got you. Just let, let's talk and we'll uh, we'll work some stuff out. I can help. Yeah, she can do it. <laughs> Listen to her. Um, all right. Well, we've got about another 10 minutes, so we might talk about the Cardinals. Um, but, you know, to be fair, there's not a whole lot to talk about with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And that's, <laughs> of course, that hadn't stopped us from doing shows all winter, which are basically the same thing. Um, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit frustrating um, to see the card. And now how, how much should we be frustrated and how much should we recognize that, you know, they're kind of holding to this plan that's kept them successful for so long. I, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth with this idea of they really need to do something else versus, you know, that's a smart front office. And, and while, it looks like they don't want to spend and that's probably a good part of it. They also have, you know, whatever information or thoughts that they have that thinks this team is going to be better. And they've kind of got a track record that says maybe we should, you know, give them a little bit of slack. Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting situation that they're in. I I will say that what I'm about to say stems from listening to the best podcast in baseball conversation with, um, Derek Gould and Ben Fredrickson, they talked a lot about whether or not it's the right play for the Cardinals to avoid sort of those top tier players, whether it's free agents or in trade in favor of kind of the, the second tier players that they've gone after in the past. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the problem with that, the more I think about this is that they've kind of, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner by going after the, and this isn't a knock on Dexter Fowler, but the Dexter Fowlers and to some degree the Brett Cecils, not that I'm comparing the two directly, but they're just the contracts that they've given out, right? That aren't necessarily the best available player, but they're maybe the next best available player. Although the year they signed Dexter Fowler, I think the argument could be made that he was one of the best available free agents in the outfield of the time. That that right. argument can be made. But the point is... They haven't gone after the top tier player, whether it's in free agency or in trade. And I know that they would argue that Paul Goldschmidt was that guy. I think there's a very reasonable argument to be made that there there were two better options that wouldn't have cost them any prospects. But nonetheless, they've kind of gone for that 
that mid-level player, right? That's not the the one that's going to cost them the most either in dollars or in prospects. And the reason for that is to allow them to take advantage of their homegrown talent, which is something that they talk about all the time. The problem then becomes, I mean, how many times have we seen the Cardinals wait two seasons too long to trade a prospect and then they don't get the most value out of him or they end up trading a guy because there's simply no place for him to play and then he goes on and has a successful major league career somewhere else. There are a couple of guys this offseason that that could be said of, you know, two, three, four, five years from now. So they're sort of in this this catch-22 where they haven't gone after those high-dollar, high-prospect additions because they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot for later. So they've built up all of these prospects, but then they have all these mid-level players that take up spots that keep those prospects from getting a chance. So. I don't know how you break out of that cycle unless you do what they've done so far this offseason, which is intentionally clear space for Tyler O'Neill and for Lane Thomas and for even Harrison Bader to reclaim his position as the uh, everyday starting center fielder or whatever the case may be. Because, I mean, we, we can talk about it all we want. I was a huge proponent of giving Dexter Fowler the opportunity to prove himself last season. But there's a very realistic possibility that when the Cardinals break camp this year, he's not one of the best four outfielders that could Mm -hmm. be playing on an everyday basis. And yet he's the guy that's sort of locked into a spot because of the contract, or at least that's how it appears or it has gone the last couple of seasons. So all of that to say, they're kind of in this impossible situation where they signed players that weren't the top guy on the market or brought in players that weren't the top guy, or maybe that were the aging veterans. So they didn't cost them quite as much in, in trade value so that they didn't have to give up as much because they had prospects. But then when those mid-level players don't suddenly turn into superstars, you've got guys who are blocking your young talent simply because they're the veteran and they have the contract and you can't really replace them without things getting weird. And so then you trade away those prospects anyway. So I don't know how they clear, they sort of reset the table without doing what they've done this off season and just sort of allow for the opportunity to fill in some of those spots with those prospects or should they pull off a miracle Nolan Arenado trade, clearing out a lot of the space by making a, a deal of that nature? That was my very long-winded way of saying, I'm not defending what they're doing, but I can see the situation that they're in, and I'm not sure there's a, a great option. <laughs> no. You know, you were talking there, and it made me think of that, you know, that motivational poster phrase, whatever, that says, you know, shoot for the moon and at worst you land in the stars yeah. or whatever it may be. <laughs> the problem is the Cardinals have said kind of shot for the stars and it feels like a lot of times they haven't quite gotten out of Earth's atmosphere. Right, right. Um, <laughs> because if you get a, I mean, if you go get a guy like Bryce Harper and he's not Bryce Harper, he's still going to be probably like a really good player. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But if you go get a Dexter Fowler and he's not Dexter Fowler, then he's not that good of a player, you know, right. and you've kind of tied up a lot of money in a guy that, yeah. And I, 
I think I'd have to go back and look. I don't think I was all that excited about Fowler at the time just because I thought they could fill their spots with internal options. And one of the times that they don't do that, they go out and spend money, um, mainly because the Cubs have won the World Series, I guess. But, right. um, you know, I just, it wouldn't be nice. I'm not going to say that they need to do a, you know, stars and scrubs mentality of, you know, two or three big, you know, huge names and then fill in the rest with, you know, minimum wage guys or anything like that. And they need to have some sort of mid-level talent, but you know, one, they've got to be better about it, identifying it Two, They've got to be better about, you know, accurately evaluating it. So they're not paying Brett Cecil $30 million for four years. Right. Um, and three, they've just got to have some of that top end talent so that not every, you're not just sitting there with a mediocre team. I mean, that's kind of what we looked at last year, right there. You know, it was like, man, even if everybody plays at their ultimate potential, how good is this team? You know, I mean, obviously they didn't, they didn't get anywhere close to it, but offensively, especially, you know, if you look at that lineup right now, it's like, well, yeah. Okay. Paul Goldschmidt should be, could be really, really, really good. Um, well, don't know if he will be, but he could be really, really good. But the rest of that lineup, when you factor in age, when you factor in everything else, it's like, how good can they really be even in the best case scenario? But yeah, I mean, you're right. They've kind of painted them themselves into the corner. And, and there's an argument on Twitter. I can understand it. I don't know that it's right. This idea of why are, you know, why are we paying for their mistakes? You know, why do we have to deal with this mediocre team because they've spent money on Dexter Fowler and Brett Cecil and others, you know, the Matt Carpenter extension, and they've spent their money badly, but why should we have, to? well, that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? You know, just because they spent all this bad money doesn't mean that they're going to say, Oh, okay, well, we'll go get Dolan Aaron Dotto and pay the luxury tax and uh, just to make everything better because it doesn't, unfortunately. Um, but I think there is, I think there should be, I hope there is, some real evaluation of what they're doing now, you know, here in a couple of years, Fowler comes off the books. Carpenter comes off the books. Yachty is maybe cheaper because Yachty's never going to come off the books. Um, <laughs> and yeah, sure. You got Jack Flaherty coming up. You got people that are going to have to be more expensive, but some of that starts to ease up a little bit and maybe then we see stuff, but boy, it's really hard to see how the Cardinals can do much of anything or will do much of anything Without, you know, without Nolan Arandondo going into the front office of the Colorado Rockies and say, trade me here and that's the only place and do it today. Um, I, I don't see anything else. And that, boy, that kind of really gets tailed to the trade deadline too. I mean, you start looking mm -hmm. at, you don't want to, you want to hope that they need reinforcements by that time, but they're probably going to. And, you know, sure, you're only paying for a couple of months unless you get a long-term contract, but are they willing to do that? Are they willing to get even a little bit uncomfortable in their payroll or are they already so uncomfortable that, that it's just, you know, kind of a non-starter? Yeah. I don't know, but I sure hope it's not that bad. Yeah. And, and I just want to be clear. I'm not even saying that what they've done this off season is the best solution or that it's the right answer. I just, mm -hmm. I can understand why they, they almost got so far away from where they thought they were going to be when they signed Dexter Fowler, when they signed Brett Cecil, when they, you know, ended up with Ozuna and they traded for Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, if you look at what that team was supposed to be last year, mm. it was supposed to be an offensive juggernaut and then it wasn't. And so now you're going, okay, 
we can't replace all of the guys who underachieved last year, which is basically everyone except Marcelo Zuna and Colton Wong. <laughs> um, so, and Ozuna's gone. <laughs> right. And Colton Wong is never supposed to carry this offense. So, no. uh, you, like, you can't replace the entire lineup outside of Colton Wong. So, you, what do you do? Right. And so I can understand why they're in the situation there and how they got to that point. And the reality is they had some pretty big misses on some of the contracts that are now binding them a bit. One of them realistically being Matt Carpenter. And mm -hmm. we've talked about what, how that was a strange and potentially poor decision that we have yet to see how it plays out. But I can understand how they got to where they are and maybe what some of the thought process is about, okay, we have to at some point figure out what we have in these young players so that we can move forward. But I also think that, you know, there's a reasonable argument to be made for, as you were saying, yeah, you got yourself into this mess. So figure out how to get yourself out of it. Um, all while understanding that this is a team that made it to the NLCS last year. So they're not terrible. We're not talking about, you know, the Orioles or the pick a team from last year that was out of the race in June. Um, the, the Mets, although they made it interesting for like a couple weeks there in the middle. Um, you want to talk about fans that have a reason to be upset with ownership. Let's talk about Mets fans. But I digress. The point is I'm not defending their lack of pursuit in any other fashion or even the the sort of resounding theme of we're going to get better by being better. I'm just saying I understand how they got to that point and changing it at this stage of the game is not as easy as everyone wants to make it sound. Yeah. Of course, and it's a thing that I... Again, I've heard, I've listened to this a little bit at the beginning of uh, the most recent Bed Podcast baseball, but you know, Ben Fredrickson did make the point. If that series in Chicago late in the year goes a different way, and remember that was a four game yeah. sweep, but every t every game was won by one run. Um, you know, even if they split that, or if it goes the other way, Cardinals might not win the division, and maybe they're in that wild card game, and maybe they go home because they're playing the Nationals. You know, this is we we say, oh, they made it to the NLCS, so they did. But it wasn't because, oh, well, they just rolled their way to the NLDS. I mean, there was, yeah, a, there was a time in Atlanta where they were like, how are they going to get in, out of this mess? And yeah. they did. But If you uh, haven't gotten that far in the podcast, there's a really interesting back and forth about whether or not the 2019 season um, confirmed that the Cardinals were good at this process they've created by not going out and getting the best players on the market because they got to the NLCS or whether the fact that they got there with a team that looked nothing like they thought it was going to is actually proof that their process is bad. So mm. make sure you get to that part. If you, if any of you listening, that. haven't listened to it, it was a really interesting podcast. Lots of fascinating conversations. You want a good rant. There was an epic rant from Derek Gould. I'm just telling you, my rant pales in comparison, so go listen to it. Was he talking about the Colorado GM? He was, much, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I know how much he appreciates that guy. Um, yeah, um, but, you know, I mean, you're right. And we talked about this at the trade deadline last year, and we said, you know, look, they don't go out and get a starter, and just because they make it to the, you know, maybe they make it to the playoffs, maybe they do, that doesn't mean this is the right decision. Right. This means it paid off for them. 
I don't want to say they got lucky, but to some degree they got lucky. I mean, there were times down there in the in September where they needed a fifth starter, and Zach yeah. Wheeler would have looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you got a guy like you know Tyler O'Neill or, or Harrison Bader that you know wasn't doing that much for them at that Can't time. Can't buy a start, <laughs> right? Um, so there is a little bit of rather be lucky than good. Um, not that they're not a good front office. They obviously are. I mean, you don't, even though there's been different people, you don't have the run, you know, a two decade run of success without being very good at what you do. But, you know, and there's, there's an argument that there's been some brain drain. There's been some, you know, it's a lot of good guys leaving the front office versus, you know, know, starting with the, the (laughs) now tainted Jeff (laughs) Lennell. Um, but others that he took with him and then have gone uh, some of the others that have gone in different places. Um, you know, you can argue that the league is adjusted to the, what the Cardinals are doing and they haven't made the adjustments back. Um, just like a hitter. Um, so there's a lot that's, that's there. And, you know, I just, I think the team is trying to sell us on, Hey, we were four wins away from the world series. We made it back to the playoffs we're all good. We've reset the clock. And I think a lot of fans are saying, you know, one, no, it doesn't work that way. And two, it it didn't, it almost didn't work Mm -hmm. that way. So what are you going to do to make sure we don't go three years, four years, five years without the playoffs again? And so far the answer is trust the process. And that's never been a real, I mean, that's a catchphrase that works when it works, but it, when it doesn't, it's it's a mockery type of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the process is only a, a thing to fall back on <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> right. right. Um, all right. Well, we've gone over half an hour. We didn't even get into the people that the non-roster people that are going to spring training, but we can do that next week. Next week, um, we will be with you right before pitchers and catchers are supposed to report. I think everybody's already down there. I don't know why they have this you know, reporting date anymore. Uh, everybody goes down there right after where to warm up and starts working. And, uh, it's just because it's cold everywhere else. Well, also true. Um, well, except for here, it was like 70 here today. So <laughs> it's going to be cold later in the week because that's the way weather works apparently. But, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, pitchers and catchers report on the 11th. We are three weeks two weeks from Saturday, three weeks from yesterday to the first spring training game against the Mets. Um, we will have baseball on our screens before we know it. Cause I haven't seen the, uh, the broadcast schedule, but they usually do those weekend games for sure. You know um, how we a, could know about when spring training games were, <clears throat> if they promoted it. Mm, there it is. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, uh, <laughs> that would be nice. See, there you go. Put the bow on the bra- the thing. That's that's the way. That is why, folks. She is the professional <laughs> at doing this stuff. You really should talk to her about Major League Baseball. So, anyway, we will be with you next week. So for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans! Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search "Gateway to Baseball Heaven" under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.